would ask you to remain standing, actually, as we listen to the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, which starts that, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I think I went in the wrong order, sorry. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God. You may have a seat. I'm going to invite Bob Johnson from First Reformed Church to come up. As he's coming up, I'm going to share a little bit about him. I know Bob pretty well because for the past few years, he's the leader of the commission pastor team, uh, which I serve on, but he leads. And this, this is the group that oversees the training plans for all the people in our, in our central Iowa region that are going through commission pastor, just like Judd completed and, and Clay Corver when he was here completed um, a while back. And so I've got to know him well. He is a, a man who is full of integrity, who's very gifted, who's very diligent, who's very funny. I, I, I think about 50%, maybe more, of the emails I receive from Bob, I literally laugh. About 90% I smile. 10% I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. But no, I mean, he just, he just makes, me, makes me happy. And I got called over to First Reformed Church by their consistory, their eldership group several years ago with the previous pastor, and they were in a crisis. And it was not looking good for their church. And Paula Van Ruckel, who's an elder here, actually got called in to be part of the team that would search for a new pastor for their church as they tried to work some things out. And Bob and his wife, Patty, have come, and I am, I am stunned at the fruit that has happened at First Reformed Church in these last years. There are First Reformed Church dunked people like baptized people, people are coming to faith, people are coming of all ages. A church that was mainly older now has families, and I am just grateful for both of their leadership uh, in this. I'm just grateful for them, and I am grateful that he agreed to come and speak to us today. So I'm going to pray for him and then turn it over. So God, I thank you for this man. I thank you that he loves your word, that your word is in him, and we need to hear your word, your fresh word for us today. I thank you for Patty. I thank you for the gifts that she has. I thank you for the sacrifices she's made. I thank you for the fruit that is born. I'm guessing that people have no idea, but you who sees what's done in secret, you will reward her. And I pray that out of the fruit of their relationship, out of their ministry, out of their abiding in you, today, we would hear from you. We would be led to connect with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that he appreciates my humor and then asked me to come in and preach about mourning. <laughs> so, in case you don't see much of that today, that's why. Thank you, Jason, for sitting in the front row. I appreciate that very much. Well, you, you've begun a series on the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, the word blessed is upside down on your screen because this teaching that Jesus gave 
was going to be counterculture to the people who heard it in the day that they heard it, and it's counterculture today. Matter of fact, even as we kind of march into what we're going to be unpacking today, this is not intuitive for us to do. It's not intuitive for us to start out with blessed is the poor in spirit or blessed are those who mourn. It just, it just doesn't come naturally to us. I think Jesus knew that as he was preaching it. And so we, we have to put really our obedience in full gear today to do what Jesus is asking us to do. And then men in particular, sometimes as we go through these beatitudes, you think, man, this is for men. we got to cry. They're going to teach us how to be meek, all these other things. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. This is the kind of men God desires. And so as we unpack this this morning, just come with me. A few years before Jesus would give this message to the temple. Matter of fact, Jesus was only 40 days old. And if you could imagine the temple in Jerusalem where an old man was sitting in this temple, an old man who sat there so very often, and his name was Simeon. And Simeon had something on his mind because the Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit came upon him and said that he would not die until he saw the Christ. And so here at 40 days old, Jesus was brought into the temple by Joseph and Mary. And there is Simeon. See, it wasn't just a matter of seeing this Christ child. It was a matter of receiving the consolation of Israel. That's what it says in the Bible, the consolation of Israel. And so you wonder, well, what, what, what's the consolation of Israel? It's the comfort. It's the comfort. So this comforter in Jesus has come. And so here they walk in, and, and Simeon the Bible says when he came into the temple that day that the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit had already revealed to him that this would happen one day and today's the day. So Mary and Joseph didn't quite know what's going on, but Simeon did. And there they brought the baby over to Simeon and Simeon held that baby that he longed for. And I have to believe that tears filled his eyes because, see, Simeon was living in this world that seemed so dark to him. There was all sorts of things that weren't right. And one day, Messiah would come. The consolation of Israel would be here. And now he's here. And what were the words? He said a variety of things, but this is at the heart of it. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. This was the comforter. Jesus was here. And so even as we sit here today, remember this. There's the first advent of Jesus when he came, and we're living in the second advent. We're longing for him to come today. So like Simeon, we're sitting here today waiting for Jesus to come back again to restore all things. And so why do we do the things that have been asked of us? Because we do it out of obedience to the one who is going to come back. So blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So last week, Judd set things up with the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
Blessed are those who come and realize that they are spiritually bankrupt. On our own, we don't have the ability to gain anything. We need it through Jesus, and we call that grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And so these beatitudes are given in an order. The first one is where it's supposed to be, and the second one is where it's supposed to be, and the second stage moves right into mourning. Now, if the word blessed can be translated happy, this one seems a little bit weird because it's like saying, happy are you if you're sad. It just doesn't seem right, does it? It it certainly doesn't seem natural. Happy are you if you're sad. Well, yep, that's what it is saying. But the happiness that we're looking for is much deeper than what we often come to understand happiness to be. This happiness isn't like a good joke that we can tell or giving a positive pep talk that a coach may give before the game. See, we can manufacture those things very quickly, but that's not what we're hoping for here. See, you should know that mourning is not really the mourning that we talk about when, for instance, we lose a loved one. No, that's totally legitimate mourning, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here because people will say, well, I I, I have mourned. I've lost loved ones. There's been other times of grief in our lives, and, and, and we've all cried. No, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Because those are periodic. Jesus is saying this should be part of the fabric of who we are daily. Just like being poor in spirit, it's daily. It's a daily walk for us. See, it's one thing to know that you're spiritually poor but it's another thing to mourn over it. Life is not joy and laughter. Sometimes people might think, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to be bubbly all the time, right? Not. Okay, that's just not how it is. And mourning, the mourning that Jesus is talking about here, comes really as a result of the Holy Spirit being in us as well. There are Christian tears in us, if you can imagine, a tank of tears that are put in here by the Holy Spirit. They need to be wept. They need to come out. That's how we have been designed. So what does it mean to be, what does it mean to mourn? What does it mean to weep over something? What does it mean to lament? See, when you think of this as being a counterculture to what is going on in the world, it presents something that's completely upside down that we're living in. Mourning, weeping, and lament are not natural things for us. But this is the pathway to the blessing that Jesus talks about. So I'm going to take you to a variety of scriptures this morning. Some of them are going to be on the screen, some not. But I want to give you some examples because I think the best way to look at this is to give you examples from the Word, and then we're actually going to practice this before we conclude this morning. But I want to give you a picture of Jesus mourning. And some may think, oh, I've memorized that verse of the Bible. That's John eleven thirty-five. 35, Jesus wept. 
that's not the one I'm talking about. That was when Lazarus passed away. This is from Luke 19, verses 41 to 44. As he approached and saw the city, he wept for it, saying, if you knew this day, what would bring peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children among you into the ground and they will not leave one stone or another in your midst because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. These are very sobering words. See, when we think about mourning, I think there's two areas we really need to think about. We need, we need to mourn the things that are going on around us in this world. You ever get mad when you watch the news? You ever get frustrated when you watch the news, whether it be local news or maybe national news or international? It's, it, it's easy for those emotions to come. We need to think less about getting mad, and we need to think more about weeping what's going on in this world. It's awful. I wish I could somehow stand up here and give a positive sermon and say, it's all going to get better. It's not. It's not. And this is where Christ calls us to minister. So we think about mourning about the things out there, and then we also need to mourn the very sin that is in us. So Jesus, on his way into Jerusalem, the very week that he was going to be crucified, he stands over the city and he looks and he weeps over them. My paraphrase, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. I was sent here for you. You didn't receive me. You didn't get it. You didn't listen. This has been promised throughout the Old Testament that I would come and you didn't recognize me. And then he pronounced a prophecy that came true. That came true just a few decades later. The city of Jerusalem was absolutely crushed. He wept over the city. We have to think of Jesus as weeping over the sin of the world. Just like he wept there. There is going to come a day that Jesus is going to come back in judgment. Make no mistake about that. But just think of him weeping over the sins of the people even now in what's going on in the world. We live in a world that's very evil. There is sin all around us. Where is truth? We know it's here, but truth is being redefined all the time out there. We can get mad, we can protest, or we can weep for the world just as Jesus did. We can cry out in prayer that, Lord, one by one by one, that people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior and be saved from this wreck of a world that we're living in. That's what we're called to do. Starts with mourning. What did Paul have to say? Let's go to Philippians 3.18. He says this, for I have often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So he's writing to the church in Philippi and he's saying many live as enemies to the cross of Christ. Well here I know that in this church the cross of Christ is taught for what the Bible teaches it to be. 
It's because of the cross of Christ and the fact that Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, that our sins are paid for once and for all, for all those who receive that. And then Paul was saying, you know, there's people. There's people both within, quote, the church at that time, as well as outside there, that they're enemies of the cross, that they're preaching down the cross. And the same thing is going on today. And Paul says it, he says with tears, he's mourning that. And then there was weeping over people's sins, weeping over our own sins. And we go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah, they're kind of packed in the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament, but really from a chronological standpoint, they're right near the end. And the people of God have moved back into where they belong Nehemiah, of course, is all about rebuilding the wall. Ezra, they discovered the law and they were rereading it and weeping at that. And here in 10.1 it says this, while Ezra prayed and confessed, weeping and falling face down before the house of God, an extremely large assembly of the Israelite men, women, and children gathered around him and the people also wept. Bitterly. What were they weeping about? They were weeping about sin. And what they were specifically weeping about, they had been told, don't marry foreign women. Now, don't marry foreign women. This had everything to do with faith, with faith, and marrying people who were of the same faith. And they had not obeyed God with that. And because of that, so much sin came in. So they were weeping bitterly over this because they wanted the favor of God. And they realized that they had acted outside of what he had said for them. And so they fell down and they wept bitterly. Blessed are they who mourn. Romans 7 Paul says this, what a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body of death? That's right after Paul says these verses that we've often heard before. That which I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I do. What a wretched man I am, he says. Maybe you've been in that spot where you just feel like, oh, I'm just always doing the opposite of what I, I think I'm supposed to do. Well, Paul was crying out. I'm a mess. I'm a mess without Jesus. And praise the Lord, you just read a few more verses there in Romans, and you come to Romans 8, 1, he says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We realize our wretchedness. We realize our need. That's what mourning does. And then the promises of God just wash over us. I'm not condemned. Well, Godly mourning, what does it look like? The Psalms are a very emotional book, and, and you get emotions all over the place. So we come to Psalm 42. Some of you might be familiar with that, the, the, the words at the beginning, as the deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? Listen to this. My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? God. Wow. 
When I reread that this week, I thought, there are people out there that they're ridiculing Christians more and more, seeking to make Christianity as irrelevant as they can. And Christianity in so many contexts is being moved to the margins of society where some may have thought that once upon a time that this might have looked like a Christian nation. It's just being pushed out. Where is your God? What's your God doing now? And the psalmist here is crying out to the Lord, crying out mourning because he longs for more of the Lord and the pathway to receiving more, the pathway to that comfort comes through that mourning. And then David in Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, those of you who remember the story of David and how David's heart, who was described as a man after God's own heart, but his heart got into a bad place one day and he did something with a woman that he wasn't supposed to do. And then to cover that up, he got her husband he wanted to get her to come back and help cover this sin up, this adultery that he had done. It backfired, so he just ended up killing him. And then he had to be shown his sin by a prophet. And he sunk down into these depths. And he realized that there was that well deep within him that loved the Lord so much. And so he wept and he cried out to the Lord, because he wanted to return to the Lord's favor and the pathway for him in that was mourning. And in Psalm 51 he says this, the sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and a humbled heart, God. You see, over and over, this is what we continue to get. This pathway that Jesus talks about to happiness and comfort comes through mourning. When we think about mourning, let me just pause here for a moment. There's these words, confession and contrition. Might be big words, okay? Confession and contrition. Confession says, I'm sorry. But you know, you can say I'm sorry over and over, right? I mean, there's no child in this room that has ever said, I'm sorry, a hundred times, right, for the same thing. <laughs> and children, if you do that, young people, if you do that, you probably learned it from your parents, right? I mean, I think of the guy on the plane who's walking down the middle aisle there, bumping somebody with their backpack every way, and they're saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you want to just take the backpack and just take it off his back. Do something about it. See, that's where contrition comes in. Contrition means you actually do something about it. Because we can go through life just saying, I'm sorry all the time. Matter of fact, it sometimes becomes some people's mission statement. I'm sorry. Just wake up in the morning. Dear, I'm sorry. Well, what are you sorry for? I don't know, but it'll be something pretty soon. <laughs> right? And so contrition, it's doing something about that. And mourning becomes the pathway in there. The word mourn used here in Matthew, you can imagine in the original language there were a variety of different words used for the word mourn. This is the most serious word used. As a matter of fact, this is the same word for mourn that's used when they're talking about Jesus' disciples mourning after he was crucified and in the grave. Mourning, 
deep inner agony. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Deep inner agony. Mourning, listen, mourning isn't designed to make you feel better. Oh, come on, pastor. I came to church this morning to feel better. Hopefully you will in a little bit. But mourning isn't designed to make you feel better. Mourning is designed by God to put you in a place where he will wash over you with his comfort. And then you feel better. That's so important for us to embrace. Mourning isn't a dead-end street where it ends there. No, mourning opens up the pathway to being comforted. Sometimes what happens is this, and I could be guilty of this. I love as a pastor to emphasize grace. Grace is wonderful. Grace, that undeserved favor. And sometimes I could talk about grace and live in grace so much that I forget about the magnitude of sin. And God wants us to stop. He wants us to cry out. He wants us to say sorry. He wants us actually to meet us in the valleys of our life and to receive the grace that he has for us. You know, in James 4, verse 8, it says this, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Praise the Lord. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. These words of James, the brother of Jesus who's writing this, this is so significant. He's not calling us to just wear a burlap bag around with our heads down, all weeping all the time. No, but this needs to be a part of our life as a Christ follower. That we would take time to be there in the depths of what we have done and to receive the comfort of our Lord. So when we think about responding to the spiritual bankruptcy that was talked about last week, there's different responses we can have. You know, in the Bible it talks about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were pretty pompous. And the Pharisees would always go around and try to bring attention to themselves. And uh, what they did is, is, is they were kind of the poster children for hypocrisy. They looked really good on the outside and not so good on the inside. That's a way to respond, and some people do that. Some people do that. There may be people like that, even right here in this room. They want to look good on the outside. Everything's okay. How's your week? Oh, it's great. You know, never admit that anything's going wrong. That's not a way to, dis- to respond to our spiritual bankruptcy. Other people can respond by trying to drown it out. We can drown out um, our spiritual bankruptcy in a lot of ways, you know, drugs, alcohol, any sort of bad habit that we might have in our life. That can drown it out. And then, you know, there, there, there's this story of the, it's called the prodigal son in Luke 15. Some will call it the lost son, which I think is more accurate. Lost son takes the inheritance, goes off to another land. Uh, 
eat, drank, and was merry. Everything was going great because when you have money, you have friends, and when you don't have money, you don't have? Yeah, that's right. And it all ran out, ends up feeding the pigs. And the Bible says he came to his senses one night. He came to his senses. He said, boy, things could be better if I would go back, if he would take me back, my dad. Even if I was on the lowest rung of all the servants there, and so what we see in this story, there was a point in the story where he admitted, he admitted his sin. After all, he was munching with the pigs. And then he mourned over it. He mourned over it. What have I done? And now if there, was a, if there was a chance at all that I could even go back and, and maybe be taken on as the lowest of his servants, there was that morning, there was this pathway that Jesus was laying out in this story. And then he came and approached the Father. The Father had every right to come at him like this, but the Father in the parable came at him like this. And in that embrace came grace. He had mourned, and now he was being comforted. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of mourning and being comforted. So what are the results of mourning? You know, when the Holy Spirit was sent out, Jesus had, had said that this was going to happen. He told the disciples about it, and he says, I'm going to send you another comforter. Well, if another comforter was going to come, guess who was the first comforter? Jesus. Always the right answer, right? Jesus. Jesus was the first comforter, and Jesus says, I'm going to send you another comforter, and that's going to be the Holy Spirit. And so when we mourn, when we mourn, here comes the Holy Spirit there to bring us comfort. And along with that comes the word of God. You want to be comforted? Find yourself in here. And find yourself and let the Holy Spirit direct you to the very things that will comfort you in here. And you will be amazed at the grace you receive. And when we mourn, here's, here's what I could say that's happening. My wife and I had significant birthdays this year. And let me just say, the only good thing is senior discounts. <laughs> but when I look at sanctification in my own life, that is growing up in Christ, what we pray for, what we hope for, is that we have a greater sensitivity to our sin. Because see, when I have a greater sensitivity to my sin, I move quickly to confession and repentance. And so I'm grateful, but it comes through the pathway of mourning our sin. Let me give you an example of how not to do it. See, the Pharisees did this. Luke 18, the Pharisee was standing and praying uh, this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> That's how the Pharisees would do it. That's sometimes even how people can do it in the church, and Jesus wants us to pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, a prayer worth praying every day. See, when we're sensitive to our sin, 
will experience the release that comes through forgiveness. Forgiveness that we offer, forgiveness that we receive. We will move from remorse to repentance. And repentance actually brings about change. So I want to close with this. I don't know how I can talk about mourning and what this is all about and us not do it. Because, folks, this is absolutely imperative that we do this in our prayer life. Many times it'll just be with you alone with God. Other times it could be you as a husband and wife and you as a, as a family together. We must do this. So we're going to go into a time of prayer here just for a few moments. And I'm going to go through some things that sometimes people might see as little sins. And these little sins are actually not so little. And things that we need to bring before the Lord. And I'm going to invite you to say to the Lord what you need to in the privacy of right where you're sitting here. And I'd invite you to ask the Spirit to show you your sins. And let's lay them before the Lord. I'm going to pause after each little section and then we'll move on. And there may be a particular thing this morning that the Holy Spirit just kind of hits you with. And that's where he needs to do some business with you this morning. You might not even hear anything else I say after that. Just stay in prayer, dealing with that. And if for nothing else, may this serve as a guide for you to move forward into the coming week. So I invite you to bow your heads. Oh, Lord, we humbly come before you at this time. We pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit to be in this place, in our lives. And we ask you to do your holy work in us. So let's bring anger before the Lord. Anger. And that is when we dishonor God's love and forgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's keeping accounts that you shouldn't be keeping. Maybe it's revenge. Bring that before the Lord. Bring pride before the Lord. Dishonoring God's grace. Maybe pride shows up in your life in cold-hearted love. A critical spirit. Envy. Jealousy. There's no servant spirit that's there for you. You do things for pride's sake. Maybe there's complacency. Stubbornness. Maybe you're one who's described as opinionated. You have all the answers. As the Lord reveals these things in you, confess them before the Lord.
we continue to ask the Lord to reveal any sins in the area of self. It's when we dishonor his lordship in our life. This can show up in selfishness. This can show up in self-pity. It can show up in us hitting the table and saying, my rights or unkindness or being unloving or insensitive. Let's mourn these sins. Perhaps it's no fear of God that we deal with. And how does no fear of God show up in our life through the toleration of evil? Idols in my heart. Disobedience. Laziness. There's little prayer in my life. I'm not in the word as I should be. Bring these before the Lord and seek his mercy. What about control? We dishonor his sovereignty when we seek to control things. You have an independent spirit, independent from the Lord. You become manipulative. Your perfectionism gets in the way of what God wants to do. Bring that control before the Lord. And there's lust. When we lust, we dishonor his righteousness. When we covet a person sexually, sexual indulgence, or love for things of the world, What about lying? When we lie, we dishonor his truth. And there's deception that can fill our lives. People don't know when we're telling the truth or not. Because there's untruths that we continue to say. And then finally, let's bring unbelief before the Lord. That's when we dishonor his word. Rather than being in his word, we try to live by feelings. Sometimes guilt is all over us. There's hopelessness, there's worry, there's no joy, there's ongoing anxiety. Let's bring that before the Lord. Oh God, when we read through these and we pray through these, what we're doing here this morning is only a beginning because so much can be revealed in us in each of these areas. It's so much easier, God, to just gloss over these things on a daily basis and just continue on with life.
And it hurts to sit in these things. It hurts to realize that these things can actually show up in our own lives. But that's exactly where you've called us to be, to, to mourn these things and to experience that agony over these things for the singular reason that you desire to meet us right there and wash over us with the comfort that could only come through the powerful presence of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, may we not be afraid of this, but may we welcome this, eagerly seek this each and every day. And Lord, I know it will bring in us a longing, a longing for the day in which we're in heaven for all eternity and every tear is wiped away and no longer will we have to do things like this because we will be in perfect comfort and perfect blessing forever and ever. But until then, Lord, help us now to do what you've asked us to do. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Beautiful words that Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. That's his promise for you, along with the words that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This old man, Simeon, received Jesus, this baby, into his arms and knew that he was the one. He was the one who would bring all comfort that Jesus is there for all of us today. And may you know that comfort that he has for each of you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Go and live in your blessing. We're going to worship now.